0: listeners i hope y'all are having a great day and i hope you guys are liking our new logo so far it was created by our very own sean williams of the outsiders podcast and i gotta say i like it brendan what about you man what's going on everybody
1: yeah so before we kick off today's show i want to give a huge shout out to sean williams i mean i was able to check out that uh that logo that was actually a very pretty interesting logo. I'm not really good when it when it comes to Photoshop and all those those uh, creativity like icons and those apps I have honestly when it comes to those that, that digital media, I'm nowhere I'm not good at that at, at all. So a huge shout out definitely goes to uh, Sean. So
0: today is our third episode of the Dolphins Stray series and you know our third pick in the draft was Javon Holland, safety out of the University of Oregon. So, Brandon, what what, what was your initial thoughts on the pick? I know I, I didn't get to hear your reaction. I was on uh, the live stream with the Sean that day. Yeah,
1: of course. Um, my initial reaction at first, I mean, the Dolphins obviously passing up on a running back in the opening round with their two first-round picks. I thought maybe that first pick in the this, this second round, the Dolphins were maybe going to draft a, a, a possible running back. But the Dolphins elected to go on the defensive side of the football, selecting Javon Holland, who many believe he could be one of the best slot slot corners to, to, to come out come out of the draft. This is probably like the 205th time that I've heard that any player that Brian Flores and Chris Greer drafts, that this player, this specific player, is possibly gonna be the best positional player of that guy in this draft class. So I'm interested to see where the Dolphins you know place him. And I'm just ready to go when it, when it comes to this upcoming July, which means training camp.
0: And, you know, that's right. And we got, you know, two great guests on today, and they both play college ball, and they're both DBs as well. So I'm going to introduce first off my guy, Jeremiah Bogan. Jeremiah, how you doing, man? He plays at Limestone University.
2: Uh, what's up, man? Uh, always good to be on and have some ball with you, man.
0: Of course, man. I love it when, when we talk about, especially X's and O's and especially DB's. I I, I know you like flow system. And what was your initial initial thoughts on Holland? I know you said it over the live stream when we had it on
2: day three, but say
0: it again for the listeners who didn't tune in.
2: So Javon Holland was interesting because obviously you guys are looking for more of a free safety. Somebody's going to be your center fielder type guy on the back end with some range, but that's just not his game. But at the same time, when you think about what Javon Holland can do, I think it's perfect for what the Dolphins want to do and what you have seen Brian Flores incorporate and be a disciple of the Bill Belichick style of defense and have a guy who can be versatile. Uh, obviously, you could kind of compare a thing of Javon Holland is maybe he could be in a role similar to what Patrick Chung was when he played with the uh, Patriots. But Javon Holland's excellent. His, his game is pretty much more as an underneath defender, playing in the slot more is what he did at Oregon too. Uh, good tackler. He's not going to be a guy who plays in center field because he likes a little athleticism, some quick twitch, but really smart football player. That's the biggest thing about him. Like, whenever people do talk about Javon, it always starts with how smart of a football player he is, and obviously that's right up the alley of Brian Flores. So he's going to be really good for his defense and make the defense even more versatile than what it already is trying to be and shaping up to be.
0: And our next guest, we have on Scotty Robinson, Jr., who is your co-host, JB, on the Back to Campus podcast on Around the Block. Skiggy, how you doing, man? You, you play at Mercer. Yeah,
3: what's good, everybody? How y'all doing today, man? We doing we doing great, man. So what, what, what were your initial thoughts on Javon Holland being um, drafted in mud? Like, like Jeremiah said, Javon, uh, he's a, a real smart player. Um, I like him. I think he's going to contribute uh, a lot to the defense, you know, uh, with Xavier Howard coming back and then you got Byron Jones on the other side. I honestly feel like the Miami secondary is going to be pretty, pretty damn good this year. Um, I, I I like him because he has real good ball skills. I, I forget who they were playing, but I want to say either Stanford or Washington. It was a underthrown um like fade route. And he he came back and picked it off, and so he, to me he shows real good ball skills. Um, like Jeremiah said, he's not a quick twitch kind of guy, but he he is a a safety nickelback that can cover pretty well. So honestly, I think it was a good pick. Brandon, I know you want to ask uh, Jeremiah a couple questions about his
0: ball skills. What are What's 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 up? What's up with his ball skills?
1: Yeah. So the first question that I have is, what are Javon Holland's playmaking and ball skills as a slot corner, and do you think it is it is translatable to deep deep safety?
2: I wouldn't say it's translatable towards well, ball skills are always going to translate. But if you got ball skills, you got ball skills, uh, no matter where you, no matter where you are. But he's more of a short zone defender. I think that's where he excelled more in the Oregon defense, where he where he was at. Uh, because deep safety just isn't going to be his MO. I think if you want to maximize him, you want to keep him as an underneath zone defender, as a guy who can spy the quarterback, play some curl flat, read the quarterback. Because he's, he's such a cerebral player who's really good at deciphering route concepts and seeing things and being able to read off the quarterback's indicator. So it's like, ah, do we want to put him at deep safety just to try and see if he can do these things, or do we want to put him in a position where we know we're going to get the most out of him immediately? And deep safety could be something that he transitions to a lot more in the future. But I think when it comes to Brian Flores, he's a really smart coach. I expect him to display his strengths in his first year as a rookie and kind of see how he can do. And eventually maybe he becomes more of a split field safety as opposed to being a guy who you just want to be a single high safety.
0: And that's true. And I think that's primarily one of the reasons why Brian Flores signed uh, Jason McCourty, who has some experience playing free safety and that deep – Deep third guy, or maybe as a single high coverage. Just when, you know, Bobby McCain was released. Now Skig, I've seen that. You know, Javon Holland, he doesn't make the same mistake twice. You're a DB, he's a DB, and DBs are supposed to have short-term memory.
3: How does this speak to his intellect as a player? Um, for me personally, um, I've always been like a short-term memory kind of guy, but uh, I always, I wasn't always. Um, mainly. It it just shows his maturity. Um, It shows that, uh, like, he's a guy you can count on. uh, If something does go wrong, he's not going to beat himself up and just be down for the rest of the game and say he's going to be looking forward to the next play. And that's the kind of guy you really want on your defense. Um, Even as a rookie, you want somebody that will come in and, like, sometimes the older guys, especially in a franchise like the Dolphins that, that haven't had much success, maybe they don't care as much. But a guy like him coming in will oh, really help those old guys, and he might spark something for the Dolphins this year.
1: So when you so when you talk about, you know, one of the most important, one of the important tools on the defensive side of the football, you know, stopping the uh, uh, the run. So when you take a look at last year's, uh, Eric Rowe wasn't really effective at that, and neither was Bobby McCain, who obviously was was cut, and we pretty much could have saw that when the Dolphins went to select Javon Holland. So what does Holland bring on the uh, uh run in defense? You, you,
2: open
3: oh, okay. defense. Um, I mean, uh he's he's a, a pretty dang good tackler, in my opinion. Um he's he's a like like a guy that we like in the box uh roaming around at nickel um so i mean i think he'll fit in he's he's not scared to tackle um obviously uh i wish i would have gotten to see him play this past year but you know obviously he opted out this past year but uh i mean i think he'll do just fine i'm not saying he's going to be like a jamal adams kind of guy down there but uh <laughs> he could be uh like a, another tyron matthew a real smart guy, a guy that's very versatile, guy that might end up spying the QB, guy that might end up covering your tight end. Uh, I mean, who knows?
2: And for the big thing for Holland is obviously he's not going to be an enforcing tackler, mm-hmm. but he's a, he's a reliable tackler. He's an efficient tackler. And like Skiggy said, he's willing to support the run. That's the thing you need the most at the nickel position. You need a guy who's because they're coming in, they're replacing your sandbacker nowadays. You need a guy who's going to have to be able to come in there at least set an edge, or be able to read blocks, be able to know when you're the box player, when you're the field player, just knowing things like that. And sometimes even having a guy like Colin, who some, he's, he has, he just has football instincts. Where sometimes you're supposed to be the guy who sets the edge, but you're like, no, nah, I can. I can be a playmaker, slip the block, and make the tackle. Uh, those are the kind of things I think he can bring to the table for the Dolphins and run support. So that's that's a big part of his game too.
3: And I, you know, I remember um, his coach saying something uh, in 2019 that he loved having him on the field because you didn't really have to get out of nickel too much and you were kind of always prepared for the pass. But you had a guy on the field that could stop the run. So I mean, it's a win-win situation with them.
0: So primarily it looks like Miami might straight up just run with a full-on nickel defense as their base, maybe even as a dime as well. And you know, Brian Flores likes to throw his rookies into the fire, but he does it smartly you know he's not gonna hold hold your hand and say oh no dear you don't gotta cover stefan Diggs, you don't gotta cover adam thielen you don't you don't gotta cover d-hop look bro it's your job you gotta show out and you belong but they don't put a lot of unfamiliar stuff on rookie's plates mentally jp what do you think Brian
2: Flores will throw at Holland this season? To be honest with you, with the type of guy that Javon Holland is, I think he's a guy that you could probably throw in the kitchen sink at. And yeah. I think, I believe that's why the Dolphins drafted a guy like him too. You know, you have safeties on the board like a Trevon morrig, for example, and other guys that they might have been, that might have been better than Holland, in my opinion. But they obviously have had a plan for Javon Holland. They loved him for some reason. That's probably mostly because he impressed in the interviews. And Brian Flores is probably sitting there like, oh, this is my kind of guy, this is my kind of player, really cerebral. All He's all about football at the end of the day, too. He's a very vocal person on and off the field. You see it in the type of person he is on social media and being an activist within his community as well. So he's a guy that I think he is mature enough to handle a lot more responsibility than what you would expect a normal rookie to get. And I think that's why you bring him in to a defense that's this versatile because now it's like, oh, I can give him certain things to where, like we talked about in the live stream, if he lines up in this spot, I don't want it to be a situation where teams can pick out, okay, if he lines up here, he's strictly going to be a curl-flat guy. He's the type yeah. of guy where he can give you different looks and different types of things out of every different alignment that he goes. So that way, when he comes to alignment, you can't just limit down what he's doing and teams know that. It's going to be, okay, yeah. he can do all this from every single spot on the field. So we got to be alert for all those things.
0: So basically you're saying the offense cannot read the defensive keys. They can't know what's coming at him and and, I mean Brandon we've seen it a lot in that cover zero look last season they made Jared Goff look absolutely silly I mean that man was straight up goofy against us last season
1: I mean yeah that's you know one of the things that really and we talked about it you know on a on a, a couple shows ago that's why Miami's defensive front 7 is going to be an, i mean even though they don't have Shaq Lawson anymore they're still going to be guys who are going to be able to make game changing plays right emmanuel odba who i said on last show was an honest steal you got to give a huge amount of credit to flores and breer for being able to find a guy like odba you hear all these all of these rumors on the out the outside world that odd odd was to wall he can't do it anymore he's coming off a, a, a two injury riddled seasons you know if if you're if if you're a guy who's who's coming to Miami Brian Flores is going to be able to put you in the best shape possible same as goes with the uh not even really talking about the uh, dolphins look at the uh, Miami heat right we everyone always talks about heat culture and bringing in guys who are able to put them in the best possible shape that's why in my opinion, Eric's Bolsch was probably one of the most underrated head, head coaches. That's why the Heat are consistently, they may not be in the, um, the NBA finals on a consistent year-to-year basis, but that's why you see them in the playoffs on a consistent year-to-year basis. But I want to jump the gun real quick. You know, one one major uh, individual who loved the um, uh, Javon Holland pick was ESPN's Lewis Riddick. And this is, this is the, his exact quote that he had to say once the uh, Dolphins chose him. He said, very smooth. Very skilled, good hips, very fluid, closing ability. The kind of guy you would assume Brian Flores will find multiple ways to deploy him. You can send him on the blitz. You can match him up against tight ends. You can match him against running backs as well. There's so many different things you can do with a player like this. And when a team like the Dolphins that emphasize good fundamentals in the second, this is a good solid pick. So you can pretty much see Brian Flores advocating for a guy like this. So, JB, I want to ask you, is there anything Javon Holland can't do?
2: So, th- when you hear a quote like that from a guy like Lewis Riddick, who's really intelligent, obviously one of my favorite people on TV at all, knows the game. He should be a GM. He can get a GM job any year if you wanted to. That's how good of a guy he is and how smart he is. But you got to read between the lines a little bit on what he said there. Notice he said, He can match up against tight ends and running backs which kind of goes back to what I told you about he's not really a guy you want to cover in the slot because he's not a very twitchy guy you don't want in man coverage too much in the slot position obviously you're gonna have to do that just kind of give different looks at times and then notice how he never said anything in there about him being a rangy safety as well which goes back to another thing I said about him not being a guy you just want to sit back there playing center field for you that's just one of those things where you see you see quotes like that uh they're kind of paid to say all the good things about a prospect and paint a good picture of them as well. But Jamal Holland's a good football player. You don't have to sugarcoat it. Like sometimes you see guys get picked in the sixth round to make it seem like they're going to contribute to your roster <laughs> come uh, yeah. the fall. So it's just one of those things like you don't have to sugarcoat his game. But Holland's not a guy who's just going to give you deep range or give you incredible man-to-man coverage. But tight ends, he's strong enough to match up against tight ends, Quick enough right. to play with tight ends quick enough to match to get running backs too and tackles so
1: right and you know there's there's obviously still you know training camp that that still ways away and you have three pre-preseason games so if you're head coach Brian Flores do you possibly see Javon Holland being a, a week one starter oh
2: yeah if you're in that if they're gonna go to predominantly nickel defense I'm <laughs> I'm throwing them out there off the rip I mean you talk about a secondary like Skeek said, that's that could be a scary secondary we're talking about Steven Howard, Byron Jones, and then you go ahead and toss Javon Holland in the nickel right there, ah, that's – and then, like, a guy I, talk, I talked to this off a, about a while ago, Brandon Jones, I think he's the guy who's still going gonna to see, see a big leap next year, a guy that I really liked coming out. So it's just – I think his office secondary could be scary. It's probably going to be one of my favorite secondaries in the so Like, I don't have a team in the NFL, so for me, I watch it all objectively and I kind of watch based on what kind of group – what groups I want to see the most, like, This will be one of those groups that I watch every. I'll probably tune in for every single week and at least go back to the Game Pass on Tuesday or Wednesday of of every week to kind of see him play. So,
0: you love to hear that. I mean, you absolutely love to hear that. And Skiggy, I know you got a you got you got a topic on your podcast that goes Skiggy says, So I'm gonna give you something in which I said. I'm gonna call it Who Some (laughs) says and. I tweeted this out from our uh, Fidmaniacs Maniacs account itself. The cornerback position is one of the toughest positions to master. Xavier Howard struggled his first season. Jeff Okuda did not have a good season at all either. Yet some people think, you know, Noah Igbenogny isn't good enough to play. And he only played, what was it, almost 300 snaps. So tell me this, you know, playing as a defensive back, a safety, a corner, as a rookie in the NFL, It's super hard. What are some things or techniques he could, you know, you know, Javon Holland
3: could learn to accelerate his development in this press man scheme? Um, the biggest thing for him is going to be just getting tons of press press work, making sure he's he's patient. Um, that's that's the biggest thing in my opinion with guys when they make that leap. They're so worried about, oh, this is a new level, oh the game's going so fast, they get overwhelmed, they wanna they wanna try to stay on top and then they they end up moving too much, causes too much separation. So um, I mean, hey, he's got two of the best corners in the league on on his team to get plenty of work with and, and press coverage. So as long as he does that in mini camp and then by the time week three rolls around, I think he'll be solid enough to play some press coverage. And then within the next two, three years, he could be a guy that, that like can actually do it very well, you know?
1: So JB, so this is a, a question for you. So just recently, yesterday, the 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 Dolphins grabbed Trill Williams from the New Orleans Saints. What were your initial thoughts on Trill coming to the uh, organization?
2: I thought it was great. Trill Williams was one of those guys who he was going to be a sleeper in the class regardless because of where he was at at Syracuse. He was just playing so many different positions and they didn't really know a full spot for him. But if you know anything about Trill, he's an f- absolute freak of an athlete absolutely freaky athlete freakish. But the problem is those things just didn't always show up on the field. Right. But at the same time, you still see him show the ability to be a smart football player, to be a guy who plays underneath. And I think he's going to translate more. I think he played more of a safety position, but he's shown corner, corner skills. So it's really one of those things like I expect Drew Williams to make the roster in Miami, to be honest with you. I could not believe the Saints cut him, especially a team like the Saints, who are looking for more corner help or looking for more guys. And a versatile net defense. So now, Truex is just another guy that you throw into Miami. It's like another versatile player and a versatile defense. It's like this could get this, this is what I'm saying. It could get really scary in Miami, man. I just and like how do you let a guy like that end up with Brian Flores? I'm talking about a freak athlete who's pretty has pretty good IQ when it comes to the game. It's just Brian Flores is going to find a spot for him. He's going to find a way to maximize. I believe he's going to find a way to maximize Trill's potential and see that athleticism show more times than it does in the Syracuse take. So, I mean, he played at all three positions, right? He played
0: safety, he played slot, he played wide. You know, what led led him to drop as an undrafted free agent, even with those injury concerns?
2: Like I said, it's just a matter of you see all the physical measurables and everything, and when teams go around in the springtime to kind of focus on next year's class and do their little school runs, you see all his testing numbers, you're like, oh, my God, this guy should be a first-round pick when you just look at the things that he can do. But those things just didn't show up on tape enough, you know? Uh, It's it's a matter why why can't you play like this all the time? And then you see the entry history and it's like, maybe he doesn't, he can't play like that all the time because he hasn't gotten enough reps. So it's just one of those things like, how do you keep him healthy? How can I put him in now to maximize what he can do? To be honest, Troy Williams might be the kind of athlete that you guys could use as a guy to play that single high safety. And just be a guy that hangs around back there on situational downs where he doesn't have to play seventy snaps a game. Maybe he gives you 10, 15 snaps at a spot of you guys don't have a safety that can do that. Okay, we're going to go cover one, go cover three here. We need some range in the back end. All right, true. Let's go see. Let's see if you can do this.
1: So, Stevie, I want I want you to explain this expression to our uh, to our uh, podcast list listeners. Starting as a rookie cornerback in the NFL is like trying to drink water through a fire hose.
3: oh oh, hey that's funny because I I don't think I've heard that before but it makes sense though um so what I get from that is like everything's thrown at you I mean quarterback see rookie out there they want to try you uh the best receiver see rookie out there they want to put out their pick out their best releases their best routes it doesn't matter everybody's trying to embarrass you so you're taking so much stuff and you're trying to handle all this stuff so it's like drinking water through a fire hose. Right. But, I mean, I think Holland will be fine this year, honestly.
1: I mean, because if you, if, you know, Noah Id Bonagini was really the one who was, you know, quote-unquote bullied last year, right? Especially if you mm-hmm. go back to that game versus uh Seattle. He was, he was, he was, you know, I don't really <laughs> like to say that this certain player is the reason why the Dolphins lost that game, but he really was the reason why Miami lost that game. I even believe he was exposed as well by, by, by Stefan Diggs too. But, you know, Anytime a rookie comes into the league, you're you're obviously gonna have hiccups, and you're obviously gonna have great games as well. Oh
3: uh, yeah, for sure,
0: for sure. I disagree yep. with that statement that it wasn't it wasn't a full loss just because of Noah's monogamy. There were a it lot was, of factors.
1: If there there were definitely some plays. I mean, look, Miami's offense that whole that whole entire game didn't really play up up to par. Wait, you have if to- you
0: really want to say say it, if it's Noah's fault on one thing, it's definitely not on that David Moore long bomb. He missed, Bobby McCain miscommunicated with him because he was supposed to have have bracket coverage over the top, but Bobby was just late to that. And Noah was going stride for stride, but Moore just ran right past him. I mean, if a guy's faster than you.
1: I mean, giving up a touchdown right right before the halftime is obviously not going to make any NFL coach happy, but also notching down five field goals against a Seattle team that averages almost 30 points a game, that's never going to win you. I don't, I don't care whether your quarterback's to a ton of Iloa, or I don't care if your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes. That's not going to win you any foot, any foot, any football game.
2: Now, one thing I will say with Noah, with Noah, I can never pronounce his last name, but he's <laughs> he was a guy during the draft process last year. I wasn't very big on because he's one of the guys that just shot out the board strictly because mm-hmm. he was a crazy athlete, and I didn't, I don't really prescribe to. I don't, just don't like seeing that. It's like just because he's a good athlete does not mean he's going to translate to being a good corner, because corner is such a technical position that you can't just go out there and run around at. I don't think people understand that. You can take all the measurables you want and assume that this guy's going to be an all, uh, all-pro player, but at the end of the day, his biggest problem to me was he just doesn't have a feel for playing the position, and it shows up on tape. He has no instincts. He doesn't really have a natural feel of being in the back pedal or seeing certain things, and those things showed up before he even got out there on an the NFL field. We were seeing those things in training camp when we're watching him in one-on-ones staring at the quarterback when you're... It's one-on-ones. You have one guy in front of you. That's who you're watching. And you watch him stare at the quarterback. And, like, the clips that I saw come out from him during practice where was like, I'm like, are you guys surprised? It's just because he's a first-round pick didn't mean he was worth being a first-round pick. Yeah. So, and I think he's a guy who has a lot of talent. But it's just a matter of it's so hard for a guy who has no natural feel for the position to gain that at another level where all the athletes get faster, the game gets faster, it gets more. Yeah. It gets a lot so it gets a lot faster mentally, too. So that's just one of the hardest things. You got to have a guy who's really – that's where you got to check – you got to check a guy's demeanor and everything, just get him to the mental aspect of the of person. Is. is he a guy that's going to come in and do what it takes to speed up his game to that level and get better? Otherwise, trying to learn how to play corner at the NFL level is something that's just too hard to do if you're already not that good at it or don't have a natural feel for it.
0: Speaking of training camp, you know there's 12 DBs on the roster currently in Miami, and obviously the best man wins. Both of y'all are players. What are these players feeling right now, and how do they really hone in to gain a spot on the roster? And this is a question to both of y'all.
3: Uh, see, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a play devil's advocate here. The best man doesn't always win. In oh, that's, these, real. Uh, that's real, that's that's real. In, in these these situations, but I mean, like, I mean not saying that there is, but there may be a guy that's better than Holland, but he may have been like an undrafted kind of guy or a guy that is a rookie tryout and he won't even get a second. He messed up one time in camp. He's done, you know, but Holland, see, he's their, he's their baby. He's their guy that they want to build around, build up. He's going to get chance after chance, plenty of coaching opportunities. And I mean, it's kind of what you expect, but I I don't know, it's, it's one of those weird things that you just have to deal with. It's it's a business at the end of the day.
2: Yeah, because like you said, the best guy doesn't always win because sometimes, you know, football can be political at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. for a guy who is a drafted rookie or guys who are trying to make the team over a first-round rookie who looks like he's going to be, first, second-round rookie, is going to be the future of the defense, you're going to have to be somebody who's absolutely undeniable. You don't get the room to yeah. make mistakes. You don't. Even though coaches talk pre short term memory at the DB position, sometimes in training camp, you don't have time to even make two mistakes. So it's like you get, you make one, it's like, oh my God, this is, this could be it for you right there. So that's just one of the hardest things you got to deal
1: with. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's there's definitely been jobs lost during training camp, even really not, not only day two, day three, even the first day, right? Because there's so much pressure on the line. You got really guys Mm -hmm. trying to fight because at the end of the day, there's only 54, 53 roster spots.
2: Yeah. And that's, you just got to have like a lot of the guys in the NFL already are alpha competitors. Otherwise they wouldn't really be at that level, but there's going to have to be certain things that when you're in a group of, because like you said, there's 12 DBs on the roster, but are, are there really 12 spots? Cause you're going to think eight of those guys have already secured a spot. So you really yeah. might have three spots available to like seven guys that are competing for it. So the guys are just going to, those guys are just going to have set themselves apart as far as in the film room and, Doing things outside the field, like not just showing that you're a player on the field, showing how much football means to you, especially in a culture that Brian Flores is trying to build, that's something that could easily separate a player.
0: Wow, that's that's interesting to see that not always the best man wins, and there's well, obviously there's politics in almost every single thing you do. But before we let y'all go, JB, Scape, what y'all got in store on your podcast?
3: We're gonna, uh, we're gonna have to let y'all find that out on on a, <laughs> another day, man. Hey, man, big things coming, man. Big things coming.
2: Yeah, man, we're, do- we're doing some great things uh, on campus uh, with JB and Skiggy. Uh, it's been great to have a partner like Skiggy. Uh, dude knows his-, knows his ball, really intelligent dude, great personality. Uh, I think that's, that's the – Skiggy's like the embodiment of what we want on our show and what we want our show to be. Uh, we want to be uh, knowledgeable people. We want to have personality. We want to be able to connect with people. And I think that's why he's been a perfect guy for this show to kind of even pushes to another level and that's what we're going to continue to do. We're going to have some big guests for you guys. We're going to keep talking about, we're going to have keep talking about conversations that might be hard to have for some people. And obviously if you listen to, you listen to, uh, our episodes this morning as um, we talked about it, like I dealt with something yesterday that was, I dealt with racism yesterday morning, just going through my normal day of working out routine. So uh, these are just everyday things that people do need to hear about as us as guys who are college athletes right now which is why we call it on campus. Uh, we want to talk about just the, – eventually we're going to get to shows where they, we do talk about the pressures of being an athlete off the field and what that pressure is like every day to compete. Like you guys talk about training camp. We have fall camp every single – every single fall, and, like, that's an extremely stressful time for all of us. Yeah. Fall camp is fall one of those things that I had put on the agenda for this week, but it kind of got bumped because we had to talk about something else. Uh, we but just talking about the rigors of fall camp. Like, fall camp is something I wouldn't even r- wish on my worst enemy. So this is. It's just one of those things that we want people to understand. Like, it's a lot more than just football in life. And at the end of the day, football really does not matter. It doesn't matter at all. And we're people Absolutely. that live and breathe the game. But we just want to continue to put that message out there. And, like Ski he says, spread positivity and spread love. So,
0: and it's, it's your podcast. It's, 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 it's great, man. I mean, it's amazing. I mean, it's only three episodes in, and I, I mean, wow. Like you learn a lot. I mean, you learn a lot on the field through coverages. You, you just answered my questions about split coverages and you talked about cover six coverage. And, you know, I took down notes. I learned a little bit more about that. And then I you, gave talk you about. Yeah, you shot. did. I, I heard, to man. I yeah, man. That was amazing. I really, really appreciate it. I was like, yep, yeah, that's my boy. That's my boy. And, you really talk about off the field stuff to, you know, being a college athlete, being a black man in America and just dealing with different types of issues. Because, hey, listen, athletes, at the end of the day, athletes are people too. They got normal lives like you and me, like the average show. And, you know, JB and Skiggy, dropped your Twitter. So, you know, our listeners could go ahead and follow you.
3: Uh, my Twitter is at Scott R underscore 12 um you can follow me dm me if you want to know anything about ball anything about anything really i'm a guy that just loves to talk really um <laughs> but you can hit me up and then jeremiah uh
2: you could find me on twitter at bless spoken five like you said uh you can dm us tweet at us I love to tweet like in my time between workouts and stuff like that i'm i'm watching film or something i like to tweet and interact with people uh we like to make it a fun thing also follow our uh, Twitter handle on campus ATB uh, at on campus ATB just to keep up keep up with our episodes and everything of that nature. Yeah, definitely uh, we got a lot of got a lot of things in store for you guys. We're excited. We just want to be a place that gives athletes a platform to just be humans. Like we don't want athletes to come on and talk any sort of ball. To be honest with you, that's just playing. Yeah.
1: We definitely we know Usama uh, and I definitely thank you guys though for uh, come for for, come, for coming on our show today. Much oh, oh, yeah, for sure, man. Much appreciated as always.
3: Hey, so before good. we get out of here, though, I gotta ask y'all what, what's y'all's uh season prediction this year for the Dolphins? What's the record mm. like? hey.
1: so What do you want me to start doing? When, 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 loss lost, now? Every yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, Honestly, I mean, you know, I mean, just give you a record, record score, bro. Usam, you want to start, or you want,
0: you want, yeah, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say 10-7, and hopefully, we were one of the you know, wild card seeds. That's that's my best
1: hope. I uh, yeah, I, I honestly haven't done, you know, a, a, like a, a week by week uh, yet. But um, I mean, I'll definitely say adding a 17 games is probably going to help us because we have the Giants at home. Um, no, I mean, no dis- like no disrespect to the, uh, to the New York Giants, but that should definitely be a win. But I mean, <laughs> with having no off and having no preseason and you finished 10 and six last year, I don't see why the Dolphins can't really win 11, 12 games this year. But I definitely will say that the beginning portion of their schedule is definitely brutal. I know Tampa week five, Indianapolis, I I know is coming. We got Buffalo at home to open the home schedule, New England to start. So, I mean, it's definitely not going to be easy. I wouldn't be shocked if the Dolphins start 0-2. But hey,
2: you guys have to, I think you guys do have the defense to get you guys
1: where you need to
2: go. I think think people are trying to throw two away very, very
1: prematurely. That's, yeah, you know, you know, it's funny, I have, if you guys, if you guys go on my uh, on my uh, Twitter page, I haven't my bio. I have with Tua. I put it was Tua Tonavailoa over Justin Herbert. A uh, a uh, mistake. <laughs> like, I was just kind of like throwing shade to anybody that you know. I'm I'm hoping that honestly Tua throws 40 touchdowns this year with with only five interceptions. But I mean, hey, we'll see.
0: all right well brandon thank you for as always you know being an amazing co-host jb skig my boy thank y'all so much for coming as always as always guys fins up baby